right, we're here with Jesse Simonson on three, one of our favorites around the SEC. You're, you said we're killing it, man. You're killing it. You're blowing up. <laughs> no, you're with man. Andy Staples. You're covering. You're talking to all these coaches. Uh, every year, it seems like your, your profile gets he bigger. He used to be my size. He just has been so damn busy. <laughs> Look at him. He lost that weight. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just trying to work hard, man. I'm just trying to play my role. Uh, so, so, tell me uh, about this show with Andy Staples. I'm, I'm eager to check it out. I haven't had a chance to check it out yet. Yeah, the debut episode came, uh, the, the Andy Staples show on three, uh, debuted Monday, first day of SEC Media Day. So it's going to be a daily show. Um, Andy's Andy's the big timer. I mean, it was a huge uh, get for on three to get Andy Staples um, leaving the athletic. He will be doing a daily show with our website on YouTube um, during the season, basically after these media days, Big Ten, these kind of things. During the season, it's going to air Sundays uh, through Thursday, so five days a week. It'll be on a podcast, uh, simulcast every time. Uh, 8 p.m., and so I'll be the regular co-host, and it'll be fun. I mean, we're going to just chop it up. College football is the best, dumbest, (laughs) silliest, craziest uh, sport there is, and so we're going to have a good time covering it. Yeah, and I know recently, uh, you know, over the spring and summers, you've been kind of doing – talking a lot of these coaches, getting prepped for the season. Yeah. What's some of the – maybe the key takeaways from those conversations that you can share? You know, I I think – one interesting one, since we're here, because I've talked to co- SEC coaches, Big Ten coaches, uh, a couple of Pac-12 guys. I think, you know, we haven't heard from, I, you know, as of rec- this recording, we haven't heard from Sam Pittman yet. But I, I really enjoy kind of sitting down with Sam yeah. and him kind of, you know, reflecting on what went wrong. Arkansas is a tough job. We know that, right? I mean, it, it's, it's a tough job to win, you know, nine, ten games mm-hmm. every year like they, you know. Not that they have, but the fact that they won nine games and then they had that, you know, last year's regression. Um, and the fact that I think he reflected and kind of looked at what went wrong, what did I need to change. Um, you know, he was a guy that really lauded continuity, staff continuity, team continuity. Yeah. And yet it sometimes, you know, it's kind of like when you're, you know, you hang out with your family a little bit too much. You know, you start <laughs> – you start, Tell me about it. <laughs> you start banging heads, and, and, you know, maybe, you know, things can get a little stale and relationships yeah, yeah. can get a little frayed. Um, and so the staff chemistry just wasn't the same. Um, the team chemistry he didn't feel like was, his, was where it needed to be. Uh, and so you've seen, you know, I mean, they got two new coordinators. Now, he didn't run off Kendall Bryles. He didn't run, you know, Barry Odom got a head coaching job. Yep. Um, but I think it was a fresh start, uh, and so we'll see. Arkansas has a brutal schedule, you know, like they always do. They don't play Georgia this year, so the SEC at least gave, you know, uh, you know, a little bit of uh, leeway there. But um, I think the fact that he, you know, Hugh identified or Sam identified, hey, we need to change some staff stuff. We need to kind of infuse the roster with the transfer portal. Oh, and then. What did we do two years ago that was successful that I didn't do last season? And he said, we didn't hit. Yeah. Because he had this veteran team, he was so afraid of, of these veterans getting hurt. And so they didn't hit in spring practice, and they didn't tackle in fall camp. Lo and behold, they still got hurt anyways. Yeah. All these guys still went down anyways. And had trouble and, tackling. And, yeah, and they had trouble <laughs> tackling. And so I, that, that, that was an interesting conversation. You know, talking with the guys that, you know, 
I spent some time with the Penn State guys. They really, you know, think that this could be the this could be the year. And it, it you know, they they kind of have a two year window. I think with this group that they have, you know, they've signed the best two recruiting classes. Uh, when you're talking about Nick Singleton, Drew Alar, all these studs on defense that they have. We had someone in here earlier said Drew Drew Alar will be the first pick in two years of the NFL draft. Wow, I mean, I'm running off the top of my head. There's going to be that. That'd be interesting. He has the talent. I mean, he's a guy that certainly, you know, that howitzer that uh, Joe Milton's got on his right arm. Drew Alar, Drew Alar's got one of those too, uh, and they got some studs on defense too. Yeah. Um, so those have been some of the, the kind of the more interesting conversations. Shane Beamer, South Carolina. I mean, he's as optimistic as anybody. You know that that that. And every, every, I like Shane. Everybody likes Shane. It's yeah. he, he is extremely affable, and I think it's just because he, he is Shane Beamer. I, I've said, you know, he's not afraid to be corny and yeah. silly. Um, and that's not for everybody. You, there's a lot of SEC coaches that, <laughs> you know, are not like that. Um, but I think he also is extremely optimistic. Now, we talked about this a year ago. Uh, progress isn't linear. And, you know, I think South Carolina and Ole Miss are two teams this year that may be better than they were last season, and their records won't reflect it. Mm. Yeah. You know, what's interesting, you said there about Sam Pittman and Shane Beamer. I think the same could apply. I don't know if you really know fully about a head coach, particularly in the SEC, until he's got to make coordinator changes. Sam Pittman lost two good ones. Uh, Shane Beamer, not so much, but he made a change nonetheless. He, I think he had to. Uh, do you think these changes, these hires they've made, could determine ultimately how successful they are at their respective schools? Oh, yeah. And I, I, the coordinator, making your, whether it's your first coordinator hire or whoever you have to find as a replacement, uh, history has shown that, that that could be the make or break for your right. career. Yeah. I, I am someone that, you know, starting my career covering Florida. You know, when my first year, uh, last year as the uh, editor of the Alligator, before I got to the Miami Herald, Will Muschamp gets hired. He kind of is pushed into, it depends on who you talk to, but he is basically asked to form this kind of union with Charlie Weiss. Destined to fail from the beginning. And that just set Will down a path of hiring bad coordinators where he was almost chasing his tail, yeah. couldn't make the right hire, didn't work. Um, and yet, then you've seen a guy like Kirby Smart brings in Jim Chaney, year one. Identified exactly who he wanted. Chaney was there for a couple of years. Rose Bowl team, you know, makes it to the national championship in 2017. All right, Chaney gets the big payday from Tennessee. Georgia says, that's okay. I think I like this Todd Munkin guy. How'd that work out? (laughs) (laughs) And so, you know, we've seen both examples of getting it right, getting it wrong. Dowell Loggins, I think, probably will be an upgrade uh, for Shane Beamer at South Carolina. We'll see on Dan Enos and Kendall Browse. I like Dan Enos, and I think what he did last year at Maryland with Tua, uh, Tua's little brother, um, you know, was pretty good. And I think you'll have, you know, K.J. Jefferson's probably, if it's not 
Uh, Jaden Daniels, K.J. Jefferson's probably the second-best quarterback in the SEC. Mm-hmm. Rocket Sanders is really good. Um, how many pieces they have at receiver, I think, is a little bit in question. Um, so I, I think it'll work out for the better at South Carolina. Maybe a little bit of TBD for Arkansas just because, you know, Kendall, um, while I think there might have been a little baggage there, Kendall, you know, certainly has the resume that says he's one of the better coordinators in the country. Yeah. At, now, at this event last year, obviously it was in Atlanta, but we do so many interviews. Right. You were literally the only one that's you, – you did pick Bama to win the West, but you said keep your eye on LSU. Well, why did you – you should have said <laughs> you were the only one that had LSU. Because no one even had that. I mean, I thought they were 7-5, and five, probably, you know, 8-4 and four at best team. They won the West. Can they take that next step? I'm already out there. I'm saying they're going to win the national championship. They're my pick to win the SEC and the national championship. Is that crazy talk? What what you What do you think about that? I I, so I'm dude. I'm super high on Brian Kelly. Yeah, and I I think the track record's there. He can be an ordinary sob, but the guy can coach. And you know, he he, you can take Notre Dame to multiple playoff games. Eventually, I think he's going to join that list of LSU coaches that's won a national championship. I don't think it's this year. I just think that they're a little bit too thin. Mm-hmm. And I am picking, full disclosure, I am picking them to win the SEC West and to play Georgia again for the national or for the SEC championship game. I will say, and you guys give me your feedback, because y'all been talking to a lot of people, listening to these interviews, I will say I'm a little bit trepidatious on my pick with LSU now, listening to Brian Kelly basically admit that they're still trying to close the gap with Georgia. Right. Yeah, he's trying to pump the brakes on the hype, certainly. Yeah. He is. What, what two, do y'all think about that? Years? What yeah. do y'all think about it? I mean, that's because you, you won the SEC West in year one. Right. I mean, you've well, got a I, lot of – you've reloaded with the transfer portal. You return. They have the best wide receiver room, I think, in yeah. the SEC. Mm-hmm. Really good offensive line. I'm someone literally wrote a column, go to On3, read about it. I, I'm someone that thinks that Harold Perkins and Mason Smith, by the end of this season, could be the best one-two individual defensive players in the entire SEC. So when you couple all that together, you say, hey, let's go for it. Now, yeah. now it's the well, present I, is I now. I think that state is in a unique spot because they, the women basketball and the baseball just won the national championship so I think they're so all getting swept feeling it? I, th- I think so and he's we all know that's got nothing to do with the football but fans are going to fan you know what I mean so I think that fuels into it just they beat Nick Saban they're going to own Nick Saban Nick Saban and his decaying dynasty as I like to call it I think they're over and done with but uh, no I, I, I do think there's something to that because I, th- I think there's little th- you always got to read between the lines at this event because they're not going to give you much oh for sure but I think that is one thing and I've heard him say it we, we are a couple injuries away from yeah, a rough spot I, at many positions I think too some coaches a lot of them are salespeople, you know and and they got to sell you on a product or a brand well they don't want to come out here and say hey we're going undefeated we're going to win a national championship. you bring those expectations down so then when you exceed them just like they did last year, I think then you put them on a pedestal again. So I think that's where we are with LSU. I, I think that they are on the track or the trek to get to a national championship, but I just think we're still a couple seasons out, just like you. But I will say, I mean, maybe some coaches do want to tamp it down. I mean, you know, Kirby came out here today and was like, you know, yeah, we expect to be good. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> so, so, and it's like, yeah, no, you know, 
uh, breaking news, Georgia expects to win. You know, they've won 29 <laughs> games the last two years. I just, to me, the LSU thing is just a little bit curious, though, because I was at the spring meetings in Destin. I've talked to other, you know, folks uh, around the program. Kelly has really, you know, embraced and enjoyed the fact that they beat Alabama last yeah. year. And he has said as much publicly <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> multiple times. And to suddenly be like, whoa, let's tap the brakes <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> I just, well, come on, I man, just, go for it. I mean, now, I, it, it, and you know, this is a team, they have no, the, the schedule's difficult. They got little margin for error now because of the Florida State game. Mm-hmm. You know, you lose that game. You, you can't lose again. Right. Uh, so there's some pressure coming out the gate that maybe now that we're kind of, you know, yeah. fall camp's just on the other side. Maybe they're kind of feeling a little bit more. Well, I think uh, for me the thing is, I mean, George, everyone likes Georgia, understandably, but I think we're already starting to see the signs that maybe life at the top is, is not so easy. I mean, whether it's uh, attention or, you know, any little thing that they do is, is getting news coverage now. And that, that's just the way it, it's going to be. And it doesn't seem to me like they're handling it very well. And I don't think it, there's anyone in the West that is a clear winner either. I mean, I, I think a and I'm higher on A&M than most, but I don't even have confidence in, in Jimbo to push that thing over the top. Well, I'll say this about Georgia first. It had, no one has three-peated in almost 90 years. So the fact that they are considered such like a slam dunk or proverbial like it's going to happen, it is extremely difficult to win yeah. back-to-back national championships. Nick Saban's a GOAT, and he's done it once. Nebraska did it. Saban did it. USC did it. That's pretty much been it in any of our lifetimes. Right. Mm-hmm. So the fact that... Georgia is kind of, you know, burdened with these expectations of, yeah, you can just three-peat. It's really, really hard. At the same time, I think they're as well-positioned as any program maybe since Nebraska to pull it off. Yeah. Kirby talked about the COVID babies today. (laughs) 17 of 20 of that COVID class are still on the team. The 18th would have been A.D. Mitchell who scored a touchdown in every single one of their playoff games mm-hmm. and went to, and transferred to Texas to be closer to his daughter. Yeah. That sort of retention just isn't happening anywhere else. Right. And when you look at who those 17 players are, it's like key guys everywhere. It's your two starting inside linebackers. It's Kamari Lassiter. It's Brock Bowers. It's Amarius Mims. It's all these dudes that are going to be the foundational pieces on this team. Uh and so I think Georgia has a very realistic chance of three-peating, which just to say that sentence is actually absurd historically. Yeah. Now, if I'm flipping and saying, to your point, why it may not happen, some of the off-field stuff is clearly a concern. I, I think it's less of a distraction than folks are making it. I think that's actually, in my opinion, I think that's a little overblown. They need to fix the damn speeding problem. It's ridiculous yeah it led to a death of one of your players and a staff member like come on like get it in order i think the bigger danger for the bulldogs this year is unless tennessee is a little bit better than i think they are georgia's probably going to go undefeated until they play either lsu or alabama in the sec championship game and what if it's not necessarily complacency that gets them, but what if they're just not challenged? And then yeah. suddenly you do play a good team and you lose that coin flip game you won a year ago against Ohio State. 
like yeah. Alabama two years ago in the SEC championship. Yep. And, and another way that I break it down I, that I think could be dangerous to Georgia, everyone's talking about how easy the schedule is. And we all do that, but we talk about it for months and months and months. It may be tougher. I mean, Kentucky could be good, Ole Miss, Tennessee. It could beef it up. But if they – I equate it to Ohio State the year they won and they brought basically everyone back. They dropped one game, the last second field goal to Michigan State, and they didn't win the conference. They probably were a top four team. They were probably a top two team, but they didn't have the resume to get in. And if somehow, some way, Georgia doesn't win the, e, the, the SEC, they have a loss somewhere, and that keeps them, I don't think they have the resume to get to the playoff, even though they will be certainly one of the best four. I th- so I agree with you. I, I would say I, I would say I agree that I, they wouldn't they wouldn't have the resume. Where I would push back, I would say I would be stunned if the committee left off the two time two time national champions and probably a program with as much cachet and you know fan base yeah. that's going to ride you know ride yeah. to the moon with them. Um, which is it, Andy Staples and I talked about this earlier. Uh, in that scenario, in that hypothetical, which is fun. We love talking about these hypotheticals and all these different things. In that hypothetical, I think actually Georgia three-peats. Do you? Because in that hypothetical, I don't think this team would lose twice this year. Yeah. You need them to win the SEC championship. Have a game like Ohio State, college football playoffs, maybe you're overlooking. I think that's where Georgia, if we're going to lose, that's where it's going to be. And I don't want to say complacency because that, that I think that gets played out too, but – that's exactly what's going to happen here is they're just going to just tear through this schedule. And then if they do lay out the SEC championship, that first game in the college football play, and I can't believe we're saying that. It, it almost, I can, you know, it's like we're just throwing out the 12 games that they actually have to play in the SEC. <laughs> and we're talking about a, a, a theoretical Don't forget Ball State. Matchup. They got Ball State. I think okay. MTSU. So they got some they good lose, ones. If they lose one game this year, who's like say during the season, who would it be? I mean, I think it. I think the, the number one pick still has to be Tennessee, just because that game is in Knoxville. Just because I think that's probably uh, in terms of a challenge. You know, that's a scheme. That's a, that's a defense that Kirby's had a lot of success, or offense that Kirby's had a lot of success going up against. And it's a lot of uh, the main reason is because Georgia's got studs on the perimeter where you can basically man up. Yeah. You know, on the outside, and then play smaller in the box. Um, but that's still the, the, the margins change. Uh, that that's why I think Heupel's been so successful in two years is because you can you, know, you can you can change the margins with that offense, and so mm-hmm. that's an offense designed to pull off an upset. So I would say Tennessee won. After that, I mean, is it at Auburn? Maybe Ole Miss, Kentucky. See, I, 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 Ole Miss. I, I would be very, I would be very surprised if Georgia got tripped up in Athens. Could be wrong. Could be wrong. But you know, and, and again, that's why you, you, you say at Auburn, Georgia's dominated yeah. that series, though. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. since Kirby's gotten here, Georgia's dominated that series. Here's a good question for you boys. You talked about A and M. Third, I think. I think do you have them third in the in the West. Or? Second. Second, okay. You got you got Alabama. The dynasty's dead. That's right. <laughs> Alabama dynasty's dead. So I have a and I have on my ballot or pre you know pre predictions or whatever. I had I had a And M third. I think it's a fa- you know favorite fa- flavor of ice cream sort of deal between A and M, Ole Miss, Arkansas. 
I really again, I like Ole Miss this year, but I think the schedule is much more difficult than it was a year ago. What do you think if I if I said I don't think that I'm picking Tennessee? I pick Tennessee to win to be second in the East. But what if I that really two through five or two through four in the East is much closer than people think? Who would who would be in that mix? Kentucky and South Carolina, Missouri, yeah. I, I'm not buying South Carolina, but I agree with you, Kentucky. And I do think that uh, Texas A&M, even though, you know, they, there's the chance they just derail. But I think they, they will have a major advantage on both lines of scrimmage when they come to Neyland Stadium. So I, I think they will beat Tennessee, which will play into that as well, which, which will hurt them at Alabama. Of course, I, I got them beating Alabama, get the decay dynasty. I mean, <laughs> but Georgia, I mean, yeah, well, I think Tennessee will have two or three losses, and one of them will be A&M. So you're, I and and I know, and I know, because we've, I kind of you know shot you some messages, gruffing you, having some fun with you, because you're, you're super high on Connor Wegman. Yeah, he may not win the job, but you're super high on Connor Wegman. <laughs> no, he's gonna he's gonna be the starting quarterback. I I, I agree with you there. It's not gonna be Max Johnson. He's he's had his chance. Now he's Max is a nice yeah. backup option if something happens to Connor. I think A and M's offense. Uh, will be better because you can't be worse. They were a 100th or something in, you know, so many categories. I'm curious because you just said defensive line, offensive line. The line of scrimmage is going to be so much better. Those are two units that on paper for Texas A&M look really good as we sit here at SEC Media Days and look at depth charts and star mm-hmm. rankings and that kind of stuff. That's a defensive line. It's, it's loaded with five stars. They couldn't stop a run at all last year. And an offensive line... They really couldn't block all that well either. So, right. are you you have a lot of confidence it's going to be a lot better this fall? I mean, I what think gives it has you to that? Be. What gives you that that optimism? I guess I would say because I think Jimbo is just such a piss poor CEO, and that I think he's finally shown that he's changing things up, getting going away from vanilla, bringing in Bobby Petrino. Had he hired Alex Golish, I'm just picking a name, a guy that yeah he did some stuff, but we all know if it was a guy like that, he'd be running the ship. You don't bring in Bobby Petrino to yank the play call and the duties away because he'll he'll walk out that damn door in a heartbeat. You know what I mean? He, he's bringing in a hard-ass guy that is not going to accept being saddled with, uh, you just sit there and, and let me know what you think of my play calling while you sit on the headset. I think he, I don't know, I don't even know. Some people say he had to bring in Petrino like it wasn't even his choice. I don't think that, but I think he knows his job's on the line. I was on Texas. I said, if they... Don't win eight games minimum. Fire him. You got to fire his ass. And they didn't. They didn't say yeah, but they. You know those guys. I thought they were gonna be like whoa, 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 whoa. They, they said he's got to win. That's what they told me. Well, he does have to win, and I mean, <laughs> I, I, I don't disagree there. I mean, this is you know, he's and he's got seventy-five million reasons to tell him to to go to hell, though. I mean, he could say <laughs> win or you know whatever. I'm gonna get my money either way. But I think if Texas wins the Big 12 and, I, and A&M struggles, they'll pay, they'll pay that in a heartbeat. Well, I, with, what's the price of oil at Thanksgiving? I think that's going to be, <laughs> I think that's gonna be the, the, the telling thing. If the price of oil uh, is up, then you know, they're not going to have any hesitancy to say yeah. it's time for a change. For Bobby, though, I, I don't know if he can just walk out the door. I think the reason Bobby Petrino accepted this job is because he wants to do what Hugh Freeze does. Yeah. Which is get back into this league. Now, yeah. I don't think Bobby Petrino will ever be a head coach in the SEC again. But if he is successful at Texas A&M as an offensive coordinator, he could get a head coaching job in the Power Five perhaps again. 
The way it ended at Louisville was nasty. You know, the team just just dumped on them, just straight mm-hmm. quit. Yeah. The very next year, it, with the exact same roster, Scott Satterfield won like eight games. You know, I mean, it was it was literally just because they certainly had a they, they were like we don't hate our coach, um, <laughs> and so I think if he is given the rope, he can be successful. I I, I wrote I wrote a column again at on three. Jimbo Fisher doesn't know any. You know, folks were mad yesterday that he was like secretive or you know coy or whatever. I thought it was amusing. I think you know, how he, he squirms whenever Bobby Petrino's name gets mentioned. He clearly does not like the fact that you know, as as stubborn as he as Jimbo is, that that folks have told him, hey, something has to change. But I am skeptical every time because he squirms so much about Bobby Petrino that he's actually going to really release the reins. Yeah, mm-hmm. Bobby can they can cuss each other out all they want. But I don't think Bobby can't really go anywhere. I mean, he was going to be with Barry Odom at you know New Mexico. It's not like he's fl- you know flush with options right now. Uh, if he's given the rope, I think he can resuscitate you know a wheezing offense. If he can't, Texas A&M may be in a whole lot of trouble again. That week two game against Miami, huge. Yeah. And then week four. What happens if if Hugh Freeze in year one goes into A&M and, be, and, and beats him? <laughs> <laughs> ain't going to be good for, for old Jimbo. No. Last question for you, Jesse. Yeah. Why do you hate Mississippi State? I, yeah. I, <laughs> I've been getting it too. J.D., we just had him on, same deal. They're, they're, they're mad as hell down there. You know, and I get it because they're mad because it, it, they feel like they're the Vanderbilt of the SEC. They're, they're, oh, they, excuse me. The perception is. Hashtag, the, well, Willy Wonka, scratch that, reverse it. <laughs> they feel like, yes, the perception is that they are viewed or seen as – the Vanderbilt of the SEC West. They are not. They obviously have been more successful. Um, they won nine games a year ago. I don't think a lot of people know they won nine games a year ago. Yeah. Uh, but this is a new season. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I was there for – I have covered now multiple former defensive coordinators turned head coaches, and I've seen how that year one can be challenging. Challenging for Will Muschamp at Florida was challenging for Jeremy Pruitt at Tennessee. Yep. It's, it was challenging for Kirby Smart at Georgia. Mm-hmm. Now, he's got that thing humming since. They went 8-5 and five in year one. To think that they're just going to continue their kind of upward momentum in, in, in the SEC West with the schedule that they play, um, with the fact that they've, they're kind of – you can't fully shift away from the air raid because so much of the roster, you know, they brought in their first tight ends, Ryan yeah. Goaty and a couple of these other guys, and they don't really have the bigger backs to run as much. But they're going to run a more pro-style kind of hybrid scheme. I think there's going to be some growing pains in that. And I think defensively they're going to miss Watson at linebacker. I know they've got Jet back who's a six-year guy, and they've got you know some defensive linemen that they like a lot. Somebody's got to finish last, right? Mm-hmm. Somebody's got to finish last. And – I would, it would not surprise me in the slightest if they pull off an upset, um, but it also would not surprise me at all if there's some real, you know, man, we had to hire Zach Arnett, and we really like Zach Arnett as our defensive coordinator, um, but is he ready to be a head coach? I don't know. We're going to find out this fall. And so, you know, they have a tough schedule. Uh, 
let's let's see what happens. If if they beat us, ring you know more cowbell, baby. Yeah. You know if they, if they if they finish if they you know win the uh, egg bowl again, if they if they manage to you know maybe pull off an upset, whether it's an LSU like they did a couple years ago, you know uh, under Mike Leach, um, awesome. But I. It don't mean we hate your team if we pick yeah. your team last, you know. I mean, that's it's just you got to rank them one yeah. through seven, one way or another. Right. Yeah. Just time at six. And it was so two, when they fire sixes. Zach Arnett, no, no, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Jesse, before you go, tell the folks where can they find your work? Yeah, man, you can find my stuff uh, at at on three. Um, I'm on the front page almost every day. You can catch me on Twitter at Jesse R E Simonton. So always happy to catch up with you two. Glad glad. Glad y'all had me on. Love your work. Love your work. Thanks, man. Thank you. Oh, that was great.